0: Hello, I'm Alec Avdokov, and welcome to the life and times of Frederick the Great. Wow, so much has happened since I last left you. I finished up my junior year of college. Ukraine has fought Russia to a standstill. Russian troops withdrew from the Battle of Kyiv. And I finally have some time to discuss the topic of history on my podcast. I did end up donating my advertisement money to help people in Ukraine, and I will continue to do so. If you can tell, I have a new microphone for my computer, so hopefully my audio has gotten better. There have also been more people from foreign countries that have listened to my podcast, which I find very fascinating. These countries include Sweden, Sudan, and Saudi Arabia, to just name a few of the countries that start with the letter S. I also received a ranking on both Top 100 European History Podcasts and Top 40 Best Biography Podcasts. The link to Feedspot's list is in the description. Go check it out! Thank you all for listening and remember to give me feedback and honest reviews and comments. I appreciate the support I've gotten for this entire year. Also, be sure to check out my Instagram to see the special post I'm going to make regarding my one-year anniversary of my podcast. I've been pondering over what this episode should be about throughout the months I have at school, and I've come down to two main topics, Prince Eugene of Savoy and the War of Polish Succession. Therefore, we must begin today's discussion in the land where people eat snails and kings are named Louis, France. Why France? Because today's protagonist will be born there, a fact that wrinkled the noses of every 19th century German and Austrian nationalist. This is because today we will be talking about two main things, the rise and decline of Prince Eugene of Savoy, and the final war in Europe before Crown Prince Frederick will become king in Prussia. I must mention another podcaster who did an episode about Prince Eugene of Savoy on his show. The podcast is called Anthology of Heroes and a link to it is in the description. So definitely make sure to give his show a listen after this episode. Now back to history. This is the ironic part of the story. Prince Eugene of Savoy cagnon was one of the largest enemies of France throughout the entire history of France, let alone the 17th and 18th century. Yet he was born in France. One of my major sources is a book by George Upton titled Prince Eugene of Savoy, and he says that, quote, no other German soldier ever hated the people on the banks of the Seine more bitterly, end quote. Now we get to the question, why? Why did Prince Eugene have such a burning hatred for the French? Well, let's start with his mother. See, Eugene's mother was considered a beautiful woman and was known as the Countess of Soissons. She was also forced out of the country because she was accused of witchcraft, according to the memoir of Prince Eugene. So that right off the bat doesn't bode well for French sympathies. When Prince Eugene's mother was banished from the royal court, it planted a seed of hatred against the kingdom of France that would grow within her youngest son. So Prince Eugene was born on October 18th, 1663 in the Hôtel de Soissons, in Paris. Back then, France was ruled by, you guessed it, the Sun King, Louis XIV. Instead of having a mainly French perspective of Louis XIV's reign, we are focusing on the Habsburg point of view. One might even call this a Habsburg-oriented episode. Here's a fun little personal detail that connects me to this story. Back in 2019, after I graduated high school, My family and I went to a trip to Austria and Germany. There was this one time we all went to the Habsburg Palace in Vienna. I have a picture of Prince Eugene's statue just outside the palace. I put this picture on my Instagram as a hint for what this episode is going to be about. Anyway, sorry for getting sidetracked. I'm pretty good at doing that. By the time Prince Eugene was 10 years old, his father had died. He was also a fairly good student, but he was interested in one thing, war. However, he was destined to be a priest, even though he didn't know it at the time. He would say outrageous things like, No, I want to be a soldier, one who is ready in the face of any hardship to do his sworn duty to the death. You know, kid stuff. Anyway, Eugene grew up to be a short, scrawny-looking man with an upper... Lip that gave him the look of a beaver. As a teenager, he receives an audience with the King of France to ask for a commission in the French army. So, what does Louis the Fourteenth say? Remember the old saying: the worst thing he could say is no. Well, Louis says, quote, "You are not fit to be a soldier. You will never bear the hardships of the service. As I happen to know, your father destined you for the priesthood. Take back your petition." So, Prince Eugene, obviously embarrassed, took back his petition, joined the priesthood, and we never heard from him again. is what I would say if Eugene didn't have the will of steel and the hatred of a hyena. The king had forbidden him to serve under the banner of France, so where would he go? Wait, do my ears deceive me? Do I hear the sound of gigantic underbites? That's right! It's the Habsburgs! Back in those days, the Holy Roman Emperor was Leopold I. It was 1683, and the Turks had surrounded Vienna, the capital of Austria. As a 19-year-old, Prince Eugene swore that he would never again enter France unless it was with the sword. He packed up and left for Vienna. The Battle of Vienna was on September 12, 1683, and it involved soldiers from the Holy Roman Empire, Venice, and most famously Poland under King Jan Sobieski. Prince Eugene of Savoy made his start in the Battle of Vienna as a lieutenant. According to George Upton's book of Prince Eugene, he fought the battle at the most dangerous points in the front. The Battle of Vienna was truly a bloody affair with roughly 19,000 total casualties on the higher end of estimates. After the victorious battle, Prince Eugene was promoted to colonel and the commander of the Kufstein Regiment of Dragoons. He had proven himself in the chaos of battle. Field Marshal Margrave Louis of Baden recommended Eugene to the emperor with the words, quote, In time, this young Savoyard will be the equal of all of those whom the world considers great generals, end quote. However, There is a slightly disturbing side of Eugene that is often not portrayed. He did not have sympathy for the bloodshed that occurred in battle. He did not show clemency and oftentimes refused to take prisoners. In 1684, Prince Eugene continued to show off his skill in battle by taking the Hungarian Fortress of Buda, now known as Budapest, after defeating a Turkish relief army. I will not go through all the battles of the Great Turkish War that Prince Eugene fought in or I'd be here all day so I will give a rundown of the major battles he fought. In the Battle of Mohac, about a century and a half after the major battle that took place in 1526, Prince Eugene fought bravely and won. He received the Order of the Golden Fleece from the King of Spain, the inbred insane Charles II of Spain, mind you, but an honor nonetheless. In 1688, the Fortress of Belgrade was an important objective of the Imperial Army, and the Prince Eugene won a hard-fought battle against the Turks. An elite soldier of the Ottoman Empire, known as the Janissary, even took a swing with his sword and split Eugene's helmet in two. He somehow escaped the battle with his life. See? Helmets save lives. He also had an arrow wound in his face, and he then received a musket wound in his leg. He nearly died from that leg wound, with splinters of bone needing to be removed from his leg. He eventually recovered only to have a lung problem in 1689, yet he managed to survive. However, trouble was beginning to stir on the other side of the continent in the court of Louis XIV. After Belgrade was taken by Prince Eugene, it left France feeling more insecure. I will quote myself from the episode about Louis XIV. Quote, This left the Habsburgs in a more solid position in the Balkans and left Louis feeling insecure in his position in Western Europe. So Louis once again evaded the Low Countries and the Rhineland in 1688 and an alliance was brewed against him to contain French power. He met with initial success with the mighty fortress of Philipsburg falling to his forces in the autumn of 1688, end quote. These actions caused Prince Eugene to be stationed in northern Italy to face off against the French. The small 5,000 men force was under Field Marshal Caprara. This was a brutal guerrilla conflict that persisted without much success on the Austrian side until 1696. That war, the Nine Years' War, came to a conclusion in 1697, although Prince Eugene would not attend its cessation. Prince Eugene would go back to the Balkans and fight the Turks in one of his most famous battles. Before Eugene arrived, the commander of the army in the Balkans was the elector of Saxony, soon to be Augustus the Strong. Augustus could not drive the Turks back from Hungary, but was then elected the King of Poland. Truly, Augustus does not deserve the name the Strong, in my opinion at least. Prince Eugene would subsequently take his place. Prince Eugene would then take part in his masterstroke of strategy and tactics. The Battle of Zenta took place on September 11, 1697, and happened like this. The Turks had recaptured the fortress of Belgrade, and Sultan Mustafa II was there building bridges across the Danube and Sava rivers. It was believed by the majority of the army that the Turks would attack the fortress of Petavadain, northwest of Belgrade. However, Prince Eugene believed differently. He surmised that the Turks would cross the Danube and attack the eight Austrian regiments in Sebenbrüchen. Prince Eugene marched his army south towards Pete to reinforce the fortress before the Turks could destroy the bridge over the Danube. It was discovered that the Turks were planning to advance to Jegedin in Hungary, so Prince Eugene force-marched his troops north to prevent this from occurring. In Zenta, in modern-day Serbia, the battle would be fought. The Turks had a well-entrenched camp at Zenta, and Prince Eugene's forces advanced north to take them step by bloody step. The Turks then broke and retreated across the river Tsitsa. The bloodbath then occurred. It is estimated that 20,000 Turks became casualties that day, one-fifth of the entire Turkish force. Despite the utter chaos of battle, Prince Eugene knew precisely what to do to win the fight. This battle tipped the scale firmly against the Ottomans in the Great Turkish War. The Treaty of Karlovitz would be signed two years later in 1699, ending the war. After Zenta, Eugene grew rich from his booty taken after the battle. The sultan's war chest was at the battle, and Prince Eugene told the Emperor that the gold had mysteriously disappeared in the explosions. But yeah, more than likely, he took them to fund his investments. Then, after that conflict ended, the War of Spanish Succession occurred. There is a perfectly good episode to listen to on this podcast series if you want to hear about Prince Eugene's exploits in that war. It is called The War of Spanish Succession, and I'll give you some time to listen to it, so I don't have to repeat myself. So, go listen now to give yourself a recap. Are you back? Good. So, where was I? All right. The Battle of Blenheim was a grand Allied victory. The Battle of Malplaquet was the bloodiest battle until the Battle of Borodino. The there at the Battle of Malplaquet, Prince Eugene had his closest attempt to reaching Paris with the sword. The war ended with Austria keeping Italy, Spain having a French king, and what is today Belgium going to Austria. Thirteen years of hard struggle had aged Eugene, but he still had a few good fights in him. The Turks were beginning to make noise in the Balkans after 17 years of peace. In 1716, there was a standoff between the Austrian and Turkish armies on either side of the Danube. The Grand Vizier Ali commanding the Turkish army wrote a scalding letter to Prince Eugene when he said, The Ottoman Empire expects to win much glory on this campaign, whereas your shameful conduct will bring not only upon you, but your children and your grandchildren misfortunes and curses and a shameful defeat. Oh, burn! War was not so much declared as it just kind of started. There were a few major skirmishes between the Austrian and Turkish armies throughout 1716 when the Turks began to put Pervadayn under siege. Prince Eugene then made a spoiling attack in August that drove the Turkish army back to Belgrade and killed the Ottoman vizier. Eugene rested at Pervadayn until June of 1717 and advanced on Belgrade. I will then quote the song that was written two years after the battle in 1719 called Prince Eugène Edlereta, or Prince Eugene the Noble Knight. Prince Eugene the Noble Knight wished to recover for the Emperor, the city and fortress of Belgrade. He had built a bridge so that they could cross with the army by the city. When the bridge had been built and cannons and wagons could be transported across the Danube, they set up camp at Zemlin in order to drive all the Turks away to their shame and vexation. Just on the 21st of August, a spy came through, wind and rain. He renewed his oath of loyalty and showed him that the Turks were looking for food supplies. They were so many that one could have thought that they were up to 300,000. As soon as Prince Eugene learned this, he gathered his generals and field marshals. He instructed them how the troops should be maneuvered and attack them properly. He gave the order and created a password. When the 12 chimes of midnight would strike, They all had to get on their horses and start skirmishes with the enemy, who still had strength left. All got on their horses immediately, everyone unsheathed his sword, and got out of the camp without saying a word. The musketeers and knights fought valiantly. It was a really beautiful dance. This dance ended with a victory at Belgrade and eternal fame for Prince Eugene of Savoy. However, the old quote goes, you either die a hero ...or live long enough to become the villain. Prince Eugene would not take command for another 16 years. By that point in time, his mortal enemy, King Louis XIV, had died. Prince Eugene devoted his time to the arts and science. I would be amiss if I did not mention one crucial thing about Prince Eugene. Today, we would classify Prince Eugene as a homosexual. He never married and had homosexual encounters when he was a teen in Paris... Anyway, all was not well in the continent of Europe at the time. Augustus the Strong was on his last legs and died in February of 1733. This means that Poland was now kingless. So this means that I get to explain how Polish elections worked at the time. What? You thought Poland would be a hereditary monarchy like any normal government at the time? Ha! You're funny. So the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth was an elected monarchy where there was a governing body known as the same. It was deemed that the Sejm would choose the king of Poland in August of 1733. The candidate the same chose was previously the puppet king under Charles XII of Sweden, known as Stanisław Leżinski. King Stanisław was tied to France. Russia, however, wanted a friendly Poland on their doorstep rather than a French-aligned king. Russia, therefore, deposed Stanislav and put the son of Augustus II on the throne. His name was Augustus III. Austria decided to oppose the French candidate and back the Russian candidate. The war would be prosecuted, according to George Upton, in a very sleepy fashion. Prince Eugene was suffering from mid-stage dementia at this point in his life, while commanding an army of 20,000 men. This... Part of our story finally ties in with Frederick the Great. While Prince Eugene was with his army facing off against the French on the Rhine River, in June of 1734, the Crown Prince Frederick met with Prince Eugene of Savoy at the age of 22. Here's what David Fraser's book has to say about Frederick's encounter with Prince Eugene. They appeared to have got on well, Eugene rather unusually forthcoming, talked freely, and gave advice which Frederick always later declared he had greatly valued. Eugene concluded by saying that not only would Frederick be a good soldier, but a great general. The war was overall a limited one. There were not great scenes of violent combat as there were in this War of Spanish Succession, but a slow fizzling of combat in Italy and the Rhine. In order to make peace... France had to accept the pragmatic sanction, Augustus would be on the throne of Poland, Stanislav Lezinski would become the Duke of Lorraine until his death in 1766, and Prince Eugene did not show his brilliance in this war and was on death's door. He would die on April 21st, 1736, about a half a year after peace was declared. Well, what was Prince Eugene's legacy? I view him as a man of his times. He was an excellent, yet barbaric, general. He was a promoter of the arts, and he was the greatest Austrian hero with a legend as wide as the Danube. He helped expand Austria into the Balkans, defended the Austrians from Louis the Fourteenth, and beat the Turks one last time for good measure. However, Austria became too dependent on one man to solve military problems, and so the military stagnated during peace. We shall see what may happen if the stagnation continues after his death. In order to conclude today's episode, I will conclude in French, despite all the German nationalists from the 19th century saying that I shouldn't. Therefore, I say to you all, bon sera